weird saying, are you good to go to you? Because that's what I say to everybody. Do you? Yeah, normally. You just fall into, like, habits of what you say, I think, when you do these sort of things. And so it's like, they become... Even the setup time becomes cliched and catchphrasy. The stuff that people rarely hear. In fact, no one would ever hear that, would they? Because that would be before I press record. This is the second week of what I'm calling the personal season on Getting Better Acquainted. It started last week with two very personal conversations with my dad. And today is the first part of a two-part conversation that I recorded with my partner, Jen. In part one, we cover memory, communication, and consciousness, and a lot more in between. Well, there's old dusty books that smell sort of dusty and um, kind of crunchy almost. The paper's kind of got that kind of crumbly, dense kind of smell. And then there's a kind of shiny, glossy, sort of slightly sweet kind of page that's slightly reminiscent of the coating on a Cadbury's mini egg reminds me of particular children's books or um, kind of a thick almost spicy kind of dense smell that also reminds me of mega mog books specifically but other children's books hello I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together I need to get better please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you so for the final time (laughs) final final time the final final time today we're getting better acquainted with Jen hello Jen hello that's better I had it only recording one way so it was only recording in my direction so it wasn't recording in your direction at all Oh really? You can have one side of that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how the, that's how it works. Who'd have thought we'd have started this conversation with uh, so much behind the scenes uh, information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can go one side or the other, or both. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's a pretty good piece of kit. <laughs> if Zoom want to sponsor me? It's a Zoom H two. Don't think they make this version of the uh, microphone anymore. It's being sold on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not making new. I think anyway. <laughs> so the first question they ask people is, "How do you know me?" Haven't we already done this. Well, we have, but people might not have heard the previous appearances. Uh, you are my partner. We have been together for thirteen years. Yeah, 13 years last February. Yeah, which makes it sound like last year. Well, when this goes out, yeah, I guess so. it will yeah. be in a few months. We've done a conversation before. What's your opinion on that? that- oh! You see, I'm going to take the stand-up. I'm going to take the stand-up and I might hold it. Is that going to be annoying? It might be less annoying than... The- if I'm doing this. It's a bit weird, but... Uh- well, that's really weird. Does it have to be that close? Well, you've got a really quiet voice. It looks like it's on my... You know what my death perception's like? It looks like it's on my nose. Is that OK? Well, <laughs> should we move to the table? OK. 
Oh, this is a stop and starty start. Okay, I don't need to put the furniture back in. I think it's shit. Because then it won't fall over and it'll be able to get quite close to you. It's less comfortable, but okay. I'm really sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, that's... It's fine. Patriarchy right there. It's not, it's technology. <laughs> We've done a conversation before. We've done a couple, actually, for the show. Uh, three, I think, all told. And you've appeared on a few other episodes. Mm-hmm. None of that's really your style normally. No, I wasn't going to ever do one, I think, at the beginning, to the morning. And, and what did you think of the first conversation? How did you feel about it when you heard it back? I can't really remember. I enjoyed having it. I can't really... I know I did listen to it back, but I can't remember what I thought. I can't remember what I said in it. I can't really remember it. Because what we kind of considered to be the first conversation, I think we'd already done a Christmas special by the time we had that conversation. But Christmas special was focused on Christmas. And the last conversation was focused on you. Yeah, I remember having both those conversations. And I remember how I felt about them, having them. But I don't really remember what was in them. I mean, I found it quite a weird psychological kind of experience hearing us from the outside. Yeah, I think I thought that. And I sort of felt like there wasn't enough context, I felt, when I listened back to it. Although people who listened to it thought it was all right. So I, I feel like... Wait, it's the Christmas one, are they? No, our, 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 our normal one, our one where we talked about how you didn't want to have kids and how you're an atheist oh, and all of that yes, stuff, right? yes, I remember. I think I was a bit drunk. You were drunk. We were both quite drunk. And um, it's a good conversation, but I don't think we... Because when you're in a partnership, you speak in kind of... Code. Code. I don't know if we always filled things in enough. And also, I think people... I had feedback from some quarters saying I I spoke uh, too much, didn't let you speak enough. I don't know if it's a case of didn't let me speak enough. You do speak a lot. I speak less. It's just representative. <laughs> right. And I, I will also think there's a, a thing in, if you're in a relationship, you've kind of got code for how you communicate. Yeah. So. But, and also though, because we were drunk, quite often when we're drunk, we get overexcited and one of us will go on for ages and ages and ages. And that's probably what happened. Indeed. I mean, that's, well, that's what I do anyway in life. Mm. But I also think it's like, in an interaction that's recorded between two people who are very close to each other, shared language like I think it's it's an interesting thing like we we were trying to have a conversation and you often take a lot of time to come up with your thoughts mm. and I've kind of learned to sort of fill in the end of the thoughts yeah that's true that is true I mean it doesn't always work quite often you fill it in wrong and I have to correct you but that's right. okay because that's, yeah, that's what, fine. That's that's what communication is sometimes I don't realize for a day and then I have to go back and correct you just takes me a long time to decide yeah. what I think about things. Yeah, that's right. We have very, very different processes for how we deal with things, don't we? We, we, we you're very much you internalize it, and you have to think it through for long periods of time. Mm. Whereas I do my thinking out loud yeah. and straight away yeah. and rashly. <laughs> it can be quite useful. Sometimes it means I don't have to bother thinking about things because you can kind of do it all. <laughs> I can just listen to what you're thinking. I don't like thinking. the idea of that, though. That, 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 I don't mean about big things. I mean about, like, little things. No, like, but I mean, I don't like solving. the idea of that because I don't, I don't trust my problem-solving abilities. 
Problem solving abilities are very good. It's your analytical ones that can be a bit untrustworthy sometimes. Go on. (laughs) When you're analysing yourself or a situation, you can get things wrong. But your actual solving of a problem, if you're in the right place to solve a problem, is pretty good, usually. Okay. Well, so I'm going to try not to talk over you too much. And I'm going to try and make sure we give a bit of context here and there for what we're, how we're talking about. That's my, that's my aim. In a way, this conversation is going to be more about you than the last one, because the difference between these two conversations is you set the topics the last time, right? Right. This time I'm setting the topics. Do you think I didn't make it very personal last time? I think you made it really personal. I was really astounded by your choices because they were so kind of controversial. But that's how you... They're the things that are fundamentally important to you, I guess, whereas... That's what I was get, kind of getting at. This is going to be more about you, but also from my my point of view of what I think about you, rather than what you think is 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 significant. So I'm going to be. I'm not saying that mine's more important. I'm not saying mine's uh, more you than you. No, I just mean this is it's just different, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess the other thing is that the second half, at least, of this conversation is going to be more about us uh, than about you, which feels a bit like I'm hijacking your your yeah. conversation. But that's I, not, that was what it was always going to be, so it's not really... And I do that with my friends as well. But I don't... I want to just... Cards on the table. I'm aware of the issues about whether I am giving you enough airtime. But the, the truth of the matter is, you're quite reluctant to have any airtime. So. Yeah, I've had quite a lot of airtime. Quite a lot more than I ever wanted in the beginning, so I think we're fine. Yeah, which I'm going to get on to in, in just a minute. But I guess we should cover the second question, which is, what do you do now? Haven't we done this as well? Yes, Jen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> New listeners, first time okay. listeners, they're listening now. They're going, I don't know anything about that person. They're talking about a conversation I right. haven't heard and I don't know anything about that person. And they might be like, oh, well, I'll turn off then. Um, <laughs> don't, please don't do that, people. <laughs> what do I do now? My paid job is that I'm a teaching assistant and uh, aside from that, I am a writer. Going back to talking about a previous conversation or previous conversations, What's it like being talked about on the podcasts? Gosh, uh, I don't really think about it anymore. Sometimes I'm... No, it just doesn't really register. Cause, well, because I suppose when I'm listening to a, a conversation, I go to it with my opinion anyway, and then you say my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I think that. Or sometimes I'll be like, what's he talking about? But not very often. Usually, you, you, I can't think of an example, actually, apart from what I think there was one... Once she said something about us having completely different tastes in music or something like right. that. Right, that was with MJ Hibbert, and I, that was completely wrong. I yeah. knew that when I heard it back in the edit, too. Yeah, I remember that. So there's, but there's the odd one like that where I'm like, what? But mostly, you just uh, say what... I don't know. I suppose it's just like I'm having my reaction, and then my reaction's there for me to listen to. So yeah. that's when they agree. Well, that's when I'm representing your opinions... But I mean, I guess not just on the podcast, but also in my performance, like in storytelling nights that I run and and stuff. It's not just your opinions I'm I'm representing. I'm also representing your life experiences. Yeah, but from my I mean, point of view, it's one of the reasons I don't come to everything that you do anymore. And one of the reasons <laughs> is that that's not a relaxing night out necessarily, because you know I am a presence at these things. Because people know who I am and because you tell stories and things. Yeah. So I'm always sort of 
um, aware of myself in a way that I prefer not to be too much. I mean, not that I don't, I, I like it when I come out, but I couldn't do that all the time. Well, yeah, and it's, I mean, and, it, and for me, telling the story, your presence in the room is something that needs to be addressed as well, because, like, that's just the kind of performer I am, mm. and I'm sorry about that. It's fine. I, I know that you don't that. like the t- attention drawn to you, but it seems weird to be talking about you on stage and not no, letting you, you have any have right to, it, to yeah. reply, uh, which, you know. I, yeah, I, yeah, those are the most awkward times where I have to reply <laughs> in the middle of a room and... Yeah, I don't like those bits. But I accept that they have to happen. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're a private person. Mm. Yeah. I would never get up on stage and tell those stories. And I'm really not a private person. I'm also quite an open person (laughs) as well as being a private person, so I wouldn't deny... It's a bit of a quandary. I wouldn't deny anything that you said, and I would feel like I needed to be open about it. I just wouldn't choose to open it myself. Yeah. So once it's there... I have to go with it. Yeah, you believe in the ideal of openness and honesty and stuff like that. And you will be, when asked, you will always be open and honest. Mm. But your personal preference, rather than your ideological like wide lens, is to be private. Uh, to an extent, yeah, with people I don't know. I mean, I'm also stupidly open sometimes and you know talk about things that maybe... I shouldn't. I just don't do it to rooms full of strangers. Right. No, that's <laughs> that's true. So we'll get back to some of that later on in this conversation, but not for a while. So, I mean, that's the thing. When I'm saying private, it's not really that you're private as such. What that word is kind of standing in for, I think, is maybe that you're intro- you're an introvert. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And... I mean, what do you think about being an introvert in the world? Uh, I am a lot more comfortable with it since I started naming it. I didn't ever really... In fact, the turning point was when I read Susan Cain's book, Quiet. Um, because I'd never really thought about being an introvert or an extrovert or anything. I've just never thought about that particularly before. Uh, but when I read that, it seemed to describe so completely who I was. And I don't like labels, I really don't like labelling myself, but somehow having, sort of thinking about myself in that way made me a lot more comfortable with it. You know, it's a it's a thing that people are. It's okay to not be an extrovert. Yeah. Well, I don't like labels either, but I've also recently found that, that labelling myself about my mental health issues has been helpful in a way that I never thought it would be when I was writhing against the idea of labels. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, naming something is a different thing than being labelled, I think. Like, naming yourself. If you can find a name, a word that can help you understand yourself, And it's kind of more like naming a space that you occupy in a way as well. Like, I suppose what it does is it stops you being labelled anything else. So... Whereas before I might have thought I'm a shy person. That's actually not true. I'm not really a shy person. I can be shy, but I'm not really a shy person. But using the word introvert as opposed to shy seems more accurate. And also, if I use the word introvert, then I get rid of the word shy, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is you label yourself whether you want to or not. So getting the right label is quite handy. Yeah, no, right. 
No, I, I agree with that. I, I saw the Susan Cain TED Talk. Mm. I can't remember if I saw it or you saw it first. I don't remember. But when I, heard, when I saw it, I definitely thought, that woman is describing Jen. Yeah, that's how I felt. I saw the TED Talk before I read the book, and that's what I thought too, and it was that TED Talk that made me read the book. Yeah, well, I bought, well, I bought you the book, didn't I, I think, I after the TED Talk. You know, I think I did, and I've never managed to read it yet, because I'm it's not introverted enough to find any time to read. <laughs> but, I mean, I you, you you took the test. There's a test on the website. We both took it recently, yeah. didn't we? And I came out as a an oh, ambivert, yeah. which actually... that as a naming thing, made me feel much better. Yeah, that makes Because I've, I've never felt like I fitted in with extroverts, but everybody's always told me I am one. Yeah, because you are in some ways. I am really extroverted. But you're also not, right. you also do need your own time. Well, it's just that it's not like silent time, though, because that's what's misleading. Well, my favourite time is not in a group. My favourite time is either alone time or one-on-one time, and that's classic introvert, yeah. right? yeah. But I do like making a show of myself, I guess. Well, I don't know if like is the right word. I can't avoid it. <laughs> you can avoid it, though. Yeah. And will. Yeah. Well, but then that's the point, I guess, that me being on stage or in podcasts talking about you means that you, you can't avoid it if you're with me. No, and to an extent, I don't know, one of the things I really admire about Susan Cain is that she is an introvert and she does describe me in so many ways when she's talking about introversion. But what she's done is taught herself, accepted that she's an introvert and taught herself how to do the things she needs to do to promote her book, etc. So her doing that TED Talk was terrifying for her, but she did it excellently and she'd put a lot of time and effort into learning how to do that. And that's quite admirable and I haven't managed to... uh, do the stage thing yet but I do accept that I am at some point going to have to read my work out loud so I have to learn how to do that so in a way being in situations like this where I have to put myself out a bit more just doing it gradually and bit by bit is probably a good thing for me and yeah it makes that easier in the future well that's a strength as as well as like that that thing I mean because there's two things I was going to say to that like one is that whilst Susan Cain learned those things one of the things that I like about what she's she does is she says that it's okay to be an introvert you don't have to change yourself no, necessarily no. that the, the education system should be geared for both yeah. or, or three kinds of people yeah absolutely or however many because it seems like three kinds of people is very underestimating the kind of yeah and we're only talking we about one world. level of kinds of people though there's loads of different levels oh, in which you can describe two kinds of people intersections but well, the other thing i was going to say is it's kind of a bit of a strength of introverts and it's like how you are with your writing learning and learning and learning and learning refining refining and refining the thing before you put it out Mm. like being unconfident maybe in your ability to make a bold statement and therefore going over and over and over and over it which is what you're doing with your writing Mm. yeah yeah and you get upset because I just throw stuff out yeah and you're like jealous of that yeah but I'm jealous of of that refining process that's what I'm trying to learn like in the way that uh, it benefits introverts to learn extrovert techniques. Yeah. I'm thinking more and more that it it benefits extroverts to learn introvert techniques as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the other thing about labelling, isn't it? If you accept that there are different kinds of... And what I was going to say, if you accept that there are different kinds of people in the world, but that's not really what I mean. What I mean is if you know that there are 
Well, it is kind of what I mean, it's just misleading. If you accept that there are different kinds of people in the world, you, you can learn from... You have to accept that there are different kinds of people in the world in order to learn anything from a different kind of person, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, actually, I mean, that, that reminds me... Weird. That reminds me of a Audrey Lord quote. It is not our differences that divide us. It's our inability to recognise, accept and celebrate those differences. Yeah. And I think that's applicable... I mean, that's that's deliberately talking about race and gender, but I think that's applicable to it to introverts, extroverts, to to all of these think, things, yeah. right? Trying to have a one size fits all society that works and operates the same for everyone, it's just it it's it's not going to work. No, it doesn't work for some people, and therefore it doesn't work for all. I think. But anyway, how to get there, that's a much bigger question than I'm going to ask you. Unless you've got, an, unless you've got an answer. <laughs> What's the solution to the world's problems, Jen? <laughs> but yeah, talking about like being an introvert um, and being someone who refines, has to refine your work and has to keep on doing the work. And It's not just being an introvert that makes you into that position, is it? No, it's also being incredibly forgetful and... Uh not remembering anything yeah it takes me a long time to do anything so what is memory like for you um god that's a very difficult question to answer it's um that's fair enough fair, fair critique I, <laughs> well you, I, it's a very difficult question to answer because i don't really know what it's like for anybody else so it's it's hard to compare it i can remember i've got a very very good short-term working memory so if you give me a phone number to remember, I can remember it. If you give me a series of numbers to remember until you tell me not to remember them, I will remember it, but then it'll be completely gone. I'm very good at exams because I can remember exactly what I need to remember and then I completely forget it so I don't remember anything I've learned afterwards. But I do not remember plots to books or films, however much I enjoyed them. I don't remember you know, what happened or what conversation we had 10 minutes ago. <laughs> but on the other hand, if something triggers me, I will remember in great detail exactly how the weather was and, and uh, how I felt and what I could smell at a particular time. Yeah, well, I think... Do you think it's fair to say that... I mean, it won't be a complete statement, but that you m- mostly remember through senses yes kind of i read this interesting article the other day about how memory is split up into uh, i probably am not quoting this right so don't take this as fact but basically the gist was that your memory a memory of a single event is not in one place in your brain it's split into the different senses so different parts of your brain hold different parts of that memory and when you recall the memory apparently you're bringing all those things together. What I seem to not be able to do is bring all those things together unless one of those senses is triggered and then somehow that works for me. Right, so you, you don't remember the film, but what's something we... one of our, When we're talking about shared language, relationships have, we, do, we were just talking about, that's one of our shared language things, isn't it? I will know you've seen a film, you won't remember seeing it, and what I need to do is to scroll through my memories of that film in my mind to a particularly visual moment yeah. 
that I can describe and that will no, trigger your memory of the film. You're very good at doing it, actually. You, you can normally get it in two or three... Well, yeah. Well, I think I've had to learn what you uh, what you think is significant in films. It's not even what I think is significant. Even... It's just what what sticks with me. Well, yeah, but I guess what what not significant plot wise or anything, but significant visually. Mm. The kind of thing. I guess it's like the equivalent of a nice smell, but yeah. a nice visual. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because well, yeah, I mean, not even always a nice visual, just a very solid sort of relatable visual. Like often it's you know, a house or, or a table with a particular coloured t- tablecloth and maybe some pepper had leaked out the pepper pot or something like that. It's just a... Yes, it's really, it's really, really visceral, specific, specific things. Mm. Like, even in, in the film or in your life, right? Yeah. That you remember. Yeah, and it's problematic. You're quite good at it, but often people don't remember those details. So I'll, I'll be like, oh, you remember that time when the... the and it'll be a small thing like a pebble fell off a wall or something. Yeah. Somebody else will remember that there was an argument going on and that will be what they remember. Yeah. But you will remember the visual or the sound or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you like to smell books, don't you, Jen? Yeah, well, books smell good. <laughs> what, what, what smells do you get from books? Well, it depends on the book, doesn't it? Well, give me a run-through <laughs> of some of the options. If I'm going to smell a book, what might I smell? Um, well, the, there's old dusty books that smell sort of dusty and um, kind of crunchy almost. The paper's kind of got that kind of crumbly, dense kind of smell. And then there's a the kind of shiny, glossy, sort of slightly sweet kind of page that's slightly reminiscent of the coating on a Cadbury's mini egg. Reminds me of particular children's books, or um, kind of a thick, almost spicy, kind of dense smell that also reminds me of Mega Mog books specifically, but other children's books. Um, there's loads of different kinds of smells of pages of books, and I, I mean they 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 all have memories mixed with them, do they? Or, or do... usually, yeah. Usually, not always. Sometimes they just smell nice. I mean, I get... M- but sometimes they smell horrible. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, that's a very disappointing sniff when, you've, when you're going in for a book and it's one of the horrible books. It's a very disappointing moment. Because that's when you're sort of like... Being sensorily obsessed, I guess, does mean that you get to have these kind of really nice little moments of kind of pure enjoyment yeah like little pleasures I guess they're called yeah, yeah. I'm not good at having those little pleasures I probably I have them I mean mm. I have those kind of sensory memories and if I stop and pay attention but maybe that's part of being an introvert thing you do pay attention yeah I don't know if that's to do with being an introvert although maybe it comes from being an introvert because it comes from spending a lot of time on my own and doing liking to do things slowly so maybe it leads to that but well, yeah, that's why I like alone time because I like I do like focusing on the little things and, and and really being aware of what's going on around me. That's my favourite kind of alone time. Mm. I don't like alone time when it's stress when I'm doing stressful things on my own for ages and ages. That yeah. makes me feel. No one loves it. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess the stressful <laughs> bit. That's the bit that people don't like. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think the next door neighbour's pruning our apple tree. Which one? That side. Yeah. Well, 
That's good, isn't he's doing? Well, it makes up for the fact that he like chopped all our trees down. Anyway, <laughs> so I think you're very sensory. You do a, a blog about senses, don't you? Yeah, I do. What's it called? Four Wise Monkeys. <laughs> Where can people find it? Right. <laughs> My website is www.jadamthwaite.co.uk and uh, there is a page on there that is devoted to the monkeys. The idea is that each monkey represents a sense. So there is see no evil, hear no evil, taste no evil and smell no evil. And for stupid reasons, it did not include the fifth monkey, which would have been touch no evil. Yeah. So there are only four. <laughs> feel no evil might be. Or feel no evil. Right, feel no evil might sound, it sounds less potentially dodgy. Yeah. And that's where you put all your sort of sensory, because te- you're a very specific person. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. And you like to find the right word. Yeah, I try to. Because it exists. No, no, no. Does I it? I don't think that. Definitely don't think that the right word always exists. Often it does not. But you can get to, you can, you know, I like to get the closest word I can. You can have a sentence. If you can't find the right word, you can write a sentence about why there isn't the right word, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what you do with those those monkeys. You that's try, what I try and to do. find the It's quite difficult. Don't and that's what you succeed. Right. And that's what you do in your writing generally. You you you, you go for the specific. Mm. Whereas I've got much more of a scattergun approach of like the feeling matters more than the exact structure. But again, I'm trying to learn your, your way. Well, likewise. I mean, it's yeah. a good combination. Yeah, I think we're quite a good combination too. The thing I was going to say, talking about touch no evil or feel no evil, <laughs> is that the reason that you probably missed that out when you came up with the monkeys is because you hadn't started doing as much physical stuff then. No, I would don't you say? No, not at all. Incorrect I... analysis. <laughs> I just... I just didn't think I had as much to say about the way things feel physically, you know, the, the touch of things. Actually, as it goes, I've thought of loads of things that I could have done since I set it up. So I could have, but I just thought there was going to be less. I mean, it's weird because actually, I mean, when I think of you and your sensory behaviour, there's definitely touch related things like you, you've always like, Specifically, you're always putting your hands through yeah. things. And, you know. Yeah, like the feel of raw rice or the feel of raw right. lentils. And That's I right, really like those things, so I don't it... know why I thought that, that touch was not a yeah. thing, but it's not, and now it is for always monkeys, so that's just the way it is. Don't leave a big bowl of rice next to you or you will put your hands in. I had some on my desk for a while because I found it quite nice just to, while I was thinking. But it became a distraction, so I got rid of it. <laughs> no room for distractions like rice in this <laughs> empire of productivity that we're creating for ourselves, around ourselves. Well, no, that's totally not true. I've got the internet. No, I know. worse than the rice. I know, I know. Yeah, you'd be better off getting rid of the yeah, internet yeah. and keeping the rice, rice, for sure. Anyway, regardless of my failure to link from topic to topic, you have started becoming more of a physical person in the world. Like, you have more awareness of your own body now, because over the last, what, how many years? I don't know, two maybe? You've basically changed... You'd already changed your writing habits to be incredibly uh, disciplined, even though you're not going to like that word, probably. But I, that's my yeah. assessment. I'm OK with the word disciplined, because I think I learned that I need to be disciplined in order to get anything done. Because I basically I'm an all-or-nothing kind of person, and I'm very obsessive, so either I don't do anything... Or I do everything. Yeah. And uh, since I actually want to get some stuff done, I have to do everything. And you've been really, like, 
like impressive about changing your life in that way and it's meant that you you don't see your friends as much and you have less time in your life it's unfortunate and I feel bad about it and now you're the one who comes to bed latest most nights yeah I'm trying to do that a bit less yeah well it's about finding the balance but Mm. you changed your life as a writer before yeah but then you suddenly decided to change your body as well as your mind well yeah I think it's just about being mindful I think I think I started just being a little bit more aware of myself and then the, the, the body thing started because I needed to lose some weight. So I just started trying to do that. But then as I was doing that, that kind of opened a journey of awareness of what made me feel better in myself. And then as I sort of started on that road, it was sort of... It was just really exciting to learn how much better, better I could feel. I didn't realise I didn't feel good, but once I stopped some of the bad things... Well, you've changed your amazing. diet, your exercise, your... You're always online reading stuff that will help you to improve your like way of being in the world. I can be quite sarcastic about this. Yeah, I mean, I'm in two minds <laughs> about it because in some ways I'm slightly ashamed of it because it seems like such a turnaround from who I have previously been. Yeah, you know, um, when I first met you, you used to eat whole malt loaves I just for once. fun. Once I did that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I, I proper respected that. I was, I'm not like, I don't bring that up to shame you. I, I bring that up. I was like, that was like, whoa, this girl's cool, woman. Really? Well, I guess you were a girl. Um, it is misrepresentative. Yeah. It did only happen once. Well, that, yeah, but for me, it happened time after time. I was like, she's the coolest. <laughs> she don't care. She'd just eat a whole moat loaf. She won't care. That was a problem. <laughs> if I carried on doing that, yeah. You gotta live. You gotta live. Anyway, that's why I'm not like you and change my life into discipline because I'm not able to think like you, you about these things but you are so you change all of those things and you've kind of like you're carrying on you're kind of always tinkering with yourself I think I don't know I, I'm aware that there are danger zones here I am an obsessive person and I do get hooked on things but I am also very distractible so I'll get hooked on something for like three months and then I'll get hooked on something else. So I'm not too worried. But I'm not sure how distractible you are, to be honest. How long have you been working on your novel? Six years. That ain't distractible. That's a bit different. Though. How long have you been exercising? But little things that I get obsessed with are... Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But I'm not talking about stopping writing a novel or stopping exercising. Those are things, lifestyle changes that I've made that I want to keep going. But things like reading about the, which is what you're talking about, you're saying about me getting into articles online about healthy things. So me being obsessed with finding out what different spices do for you, that's an obsession that's going to last a while. It's also a skill that once you've learnt it, you won't need to Exactly, I'll have it and I won't need to, exactly. So um, He says, contradicting his own, like, endless mockery. (laughs) So I can't remember what I was saying originally, oh, but um, yeah, I don't think, I think, I don't know what I was saying. I don't know how I was, how did I start that, that old train of thought? Obsessed. You were saying that you're someone who has obsessions, but then you change to different things. But why was I saying that? Because I was challenging that and saying that you uh, were somebody, I think, that learns new skills and carries them on and doesn't stop them oh okay yeah because I think oh because you were saying that no go back further than that (laughs) I was responding to you saying I was tinkering I used the word tinkering tinkering with tinkering with how you are in the world right because what I'm trying to what I the ultimate idea is I want to be more 
I want to feel better, obviously, and be healthier. But I also want to maximise how productive I can be in a way that means that I can be more social as well, if you see what I mean, or more... I want to be able to get my work done, but also relax and also see people. And uh, I feel like having more energy and being able to focus for longer periods of time or or being able to focus for short periods of time, but focus rather than going Twitter. Yeah. Those are all things that kind of... They, all these things, none of these things stand alone. They all relate. And so tinkering with a little bit, like tinkering, trying to get more sleep, for example, which is what I'm trying to do at the moment, improves focus. And so that helps. Well, all of these things kind of go with your, like, what I would say your themes in your, both your work and your and your life, like of memory and senses and all of these things, like uh, uh, time, memory, senses, reality. Mm. Those are the things you generally write about, yeah? Yeah. And like, that's kind of what you're trying to control, I guess. You're trying to not control that's like a negative word there's some of that there There is some of that totally some of it comes from being a control freak and that's (laughs) the danger zone totally I recognise that but at the same time it's not that isn't all of it yeah but but that's the thing like refining something I don't think that the word tinkering was I used because I think you're not going to stop tinkering you wouldn't want to would you I mean no no actually because I enjoy the process of it we're working on the problem that we know we never solved that bright eyes line Yeah. yeah I mean, that's what I'm trying to do, very different. My, my approach is very different from yours, and I've got different things I'm trying to get balance in. Mm. But, I mean, I think one of the reasons we maybe work as a, as a couple is that we both, we both have this kind of expectation of ourselves that we will be continually evolving and uh, trying to, to get the right word yeah (laughs) from different angles in different ways maybe yeah I mean the focus is quite different at the moment but yeah it is the same kind of thing isn't it and we're supportive to each other's like desire to do that and also able to share the the things that we learn on our own journeys which can help yeah and share the highs as well as the lows as well like we 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 understand why we're happy where each other like we understand the whole high you get when things are going right yeah and the low that you get when things are going wrong, because in each other, because we experience that. Yeah. It's just we don't always experience them at the same times. No. That that's complicated. Yeah, but before I want to get into the more domestic kind of side of both of us, I just wanted to ask you about. So here's a memory I've got talking mm-hmm. about memory. So I think was it? Our, I don't know if it was our third or our fourth year anniversary that we we had in Lancaster and I don't know why we I don't know how it, we got to this point we probably had a meal or something we were walking in the night and we sat down on a bench by the canal and the moon was shining and the, the sky looked really beautiful yeah I and it, was really good. it was like really romantic moment and I was sat there thinking this is so romantic and I I turned to you I think probably to blather some romantic nonsense and you turned to me and uh, you said well what did you say I think that what no well I I don't know if I remember it the same way as you 
in fact because I don't remember this I remember the I remember I know what I said because you told me but I remember and I remember a sense of the conversation I remember all the scenery perfectly I remember the moment <laughs> just I think what I said was consciousness is an evolutionary disadvantage that is I what don't know said. why I said that at that moment <laughs> you said it kind of in a romantic tone of voice it wasn't like you were saying it like negative you were like it's almost part of this nice beautiful moment is your realization <laughs> that consciousness is an evolutionary disadvantage yeah maybe i just realized it then maybe that was why i said it i don't know what made me realize it i mean it's this is a key element of you that i always enjoy from the outside is that fundamentally although you're kind of optimistic happy in some ways in your life you're really, really like negative and pessimistic at the, the the bottom of it all, and so it's really liberating. You, it's quite possible to be optimistic and generally happy in your everyday life if you accept that basically everything's shit because you can work with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always enjoy, when I come to you for like advice or something, and then you'll be like set the most negative thing ever, and I'll be like, <laughs> fuck, okay, and you'll be like, but so what, you know. <laughs> Fine. But consciousness is an evolutionary disadvantage was not something I'd thought of before that moment, particularly. I think I'd been aware of this idea, like, I think, because I think it describes something that's true, right? Mm. And in that initial conversation, I didn't treat it as such because I was like, oh, God's sake, it's supposed to be a romantic moment. You're saying consciousness is an evolutionary <laughs> disadvantage. And then instead, we didn't get into an argument about whether you should have said it. We got into an argument about whether consciousness was an It was a friendly argument, though. Yeah, it? friendly. I oh, absolutely. I remember it was a good, it oh, was yeah. a good conversation. Oh, yeah, it was a great... It was one of my favourite moments of us. If I had to pick a top ten, it'd probably be there. <laughs> and it wasn't an argument argument, right, uh, to, to use our code. Yeah. It's not an argument argument. <laughs> it's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But it was a disagreement, if you like, initially. I was coming at you with arguments why it wasn't why consciousness would be an evolutionary advantage. Mm. But you kind of knocked them all down. <laughs> but I mean, what would you... I mean, would you like to expand a little bit on That's that? That's interesting. The other neighbours in our garden. What's going on with the neighbours? <laughs> the neighbours that are walking through our garden. <laughs> have, I don't know why. Time, spending time of day with each other. We're very lucky to have a garden and... And lucky to have neighbours. <laughs> well, I don't know about lucky to have neighbours. They're nice neighbours, though. They're all right. They don't bother us too much. They're not usually in the garden. We're quite... We don't like neighbours that much as a concept, even though we like the idea of people. These ones are very good ones, actually, for because... our concept of neighbours, because they're friendly and they say hello, which I like. But, but they, they don't, don't get involved. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Anyway, would you like to kind of expand a little bit on the statement of consciousness as an evolutionary disadvantage? Why? Why, why do you think it is? Um, well, evolution wants a species to progress and survive and get better, right? Well, if it wants, I don't know if it wants that, because that would imply it had a consciousness consciousness itself. But I'm saying that what evolution is, is a species developing and getting better at being itself. Whereas well, adapting to adapting the world to around, the world around it, better at being itself in the, in the changing world. Sure. But what consciousness right. gives us is an ability to change the world at our whim. We will stop ourselves evolving naturally. Well, we have an ability to affect the world around us in ways that we don't know the results of. Yeah. 
whereas an animal doesn't yeah. have that. So, I mean, it's counterintuitive because people would say that human beings are the most dominant animal, right, at the moment, and we're making loads of other animals get wiped out. Yeah. And they say it's definitely not an evolutionary advantage for them at, the, at this moment not having consciousness. But it won't be an evolutionary advantage for us either if we wipe out all the other species and destroy our air and... You know, we're going to destroy ourselves through doing all those things. I mean, what's evolution to us now, right? Yeah. Since we've started looking after ourselves so much, we haven't really evolved that much, have we? I mean, there are some changes that we've had over the years. We've got... Some of us have got taller. Yeah. And we've developed this knowledge, this collective knowledge that we couldn't have without consciousness. Yeah. But, I mean, your argument against that collective knowledge when you were drunk all those years ago was well yeah but we've learned how to destroy we've learned how to the nuclear bomb we've learned how yeah. to imprison people we've learned how to yeah. enslave or even people. take it back even just simpler than that farming we've learned how to farm things that we're not supposed to eat on scales we're not supposed to like none of this stuff is well supposed is a complicated word I mean that's Natural is a complicated word yeah, too. Yeah, no, everything's a complicated word. This is why I'm finding it... I find these kinds of things much easier to talk about when I'm drunk because uh, I don't analyse all these little things. So I find it much easier to construct a sentence and express a thought. Because you're an introvert and you need to process it and then write it down. And yeah, yeah. Get it if I'd known that was going way. to come on and, on and support an my theory about consciousness, I would have prepared a reasoned argument. But as it goes, I have trouble thinking about what I think. But I do definitely agree with the statement, and I agree with everything that you said that I said. <laughs> <laughs> and we have this all the time. Quite often you get excited about an idea that I've said or thought, and you'll say it in a group, you'll say, oh, Jen thinks, Jen's got opinions about this thing or that thing, and I'll be like, shit, I don't remember my opinions about this <laughs> thing or that thing, and I don't want to talk to a room full of eight people about it. Yeah. And I, can't, I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I don't know. It's hard for me because I'm like, you've got so much wisdom to lay down. But I know that that's not the way that you want to lay it. It's not the way that you naturally would lay it down. But I don't know how to get it out otherwise. I guess I just should just be patient and wait, you know, 10 years till you've written lots of different versions of the cool things you say to me in in private. And then that's how everyone will work out how cool you are. <laughs> I don't think the goal is to get everybody to work out that I'm cool. Because well, what I feel like happens in that kind of situation is that I look stupid because I can't even give my own opinions about things. Well, yeah, but I think that you worrying that you look stupid is part of the thing that stops you being able to speak. Yeah. Because you're like, I want to have the time to work this out properly and get it perfect. Whereas I'll just blather it out and half the time it'll really fuck things up because it'll be a stupid thing that I've said, but... The other half, in fact, it, it can go down very quite like, well. We were analysing, I was yesterday analysing the writing of a child at school who we think is dyslexic. She's quite a bright little thing, but her writing isn't that great. And uh, But it was this piece of writing, she didn't spell anything wrong. And, you know, it was fine, really, apart from it didn't have punctuation or, and the handwriting was bad. But what we realised, the more we were reading it, was that her vocabulary spoken is a lot better than her vocabulary written down. And it's because what she's doing is she's using the words that she knows that she won't get wrong. So she's not showing what she knows at all. She's just, she's so scared of getting stuff wrong that she only uses the word big, for example. She uses the word big about 12 times in five paragraphs. 
And not because she doesn't know other words for big, but because she can spell big. Yeah. I guess it's a bit like that. No, that's really interesting. Mm. I mean, that's the thing, like, when thoughts come at you, like, where you where you struggle is when you have pressure on the thoughts. So what just happened then is you gave a, an unexpected thought. You didn't have any pressure on it. There was no pressure of what you were going to say. Whereas I, it was it was a pressure for you, especially because you were standing up to a a concept that's been part of our vocabulary and the vocabulary of our friends for quite a long mm. time that this is a that's a theory that you really believe in and suddenly you've got to spell it Support out it, yeah i mean and i don't know if i did a good job of filling in either but people will just have to take of that what they want they don't have to believe it so that it doesn't matter what they think about if it's an evolutionary advantage or not we might be wrong anyway None of that really matters. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's a fact anyway. I mean, even, even if I'd wanted to talk about it or had been able to talk about it, I wouldn't have said it was a fact. I would have said, it's my opinion, just like, I, as I say about atheism, that's my stand. It doesn't mean that I think everybody else is wrong. It's just where I am. Well, I think that's the thing. The thing is, what what's an evolutionary advantage or disadvantage depends on what you consider to be the precise definition of evolution and what you consider to be the, a precise definition of disadvantage or advantage. Like, maybe it's in the world's best interest for human beings to die out, but then it's only in the world's best interest because we've got consciousness and we can do all of this messing around. So it, it just becomes very complicated. Mm. I'm certainly not being eloquent about it. You, however, all those years ago, were. <laughs> so at least there's that. Nobody even will know about that, though. You might just have imagined that. I don't remember it. Sure. I mean, and the, 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 this is like kind of moving into the sort of section about how we interact as a couple, I guess, that I wanted to talk about. I mean, first of all, like, Jen, will you marry me? What? Well, will you? That's the... I don't know. Well, you, I've asked you this question before. We, you've I got know, an that's answer. why I was surprised. You've got your answer. You're asking me again I'm not, now. I'm not expecting <laughs> you to change your answer. It was just like an amusing... <laughs> Jesus. It was just an amusing way of asking the question, of, of, of getting to the topic of marriage. Right, right. Will you marry me? Don't know. See, now you say you don't know. But. Well, yeah, because I don't, because where we are now, isn't it, that we might get married? Or we might oh, not? God. Isn't yeah, that that's the truth. We've So what happened is, I asked you to marry me ages ago. Yeah, well, we were like 21, or 22 or something. Yeah. We were having a really shit year. <laughs> It's like the only light in that dark year, right? Yeah. So I understand why we did that. Yeah. And also, I you asked, and I said yes, fully intend, like properly believing that because we laid out the what money. What I was saying yes to the rings. What I was saying yes to was spending the rest of my life with you, and I still stand by that yes. Yeah. But what I'd never really thought about was what marriage was and what it meant getting married, and what that would be like, and whether that would be something that I would enjoy or find value in yeah i mean i think what happened was yeah i mean and i i I was just i i i I don't even know why i asked anyway like i have a lot of problems with the concept of marriage increasingly actually just because i think that that saying there's one valid way of being whatever whatever that is 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 not fair Mm. um but you kind of went on a, a on two journeys i would say after you said yes to marriage one was a kind of feminist journey and the other one was a kind of introvert journey yeah 
Would you say? Yeah, that's probably fair. Because your main reason why you don't want to get married is you don't want everyone to look at you. Yeah. I mean, that sounds a simple way of putting it, but yeah. I don't, I mean, and I think that if we do get married, yeah. which in some ways I would like to, in some ways. Practical ways. Um, <laughs> I, I would much prefer that to be a very quiet thing that's mostly just between us. Yeah. Um, than to do the whole stand in front of everybody I know and love. And say very private, like none of this sounds appealing. Oh, yeah. And say very private things meant for one person in front of everybody. Yeah. Well, supposedly looking amazing, and then making sure that everybody's had enough to eat and drink, and I say hello to everybody, and everybody doesn't feel slighted. And Jesus, it just sounds so stressful. Yeah. I mean, I love going to weddings, but I don't, I don't know if I want one. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I can understand that 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 point of view. I mean, I, I, I get annoyed about the law thing as well. But like, I I think, I mean, that's a feminist issue as well as a, as well as a more broader political issue. But I think, I don't like the idea of the, there being some kind of law involved, like an official society has stamped you as having a valid relationship yeah. and it hasn't stamped them as having a valid mm. relationship. And it takes away from all of the other relationships you ha- you have, like with your friends, with your family, all of these things that are just as important and just different. And but, just and that's kind of um, an odd one because it's also, it is both the reason I don't want to get married and the reason I do want to get married because I want that recognition and that validation, but I think it's wrong to have that recognition and right. that validation. I get sick of not being, of being in a 13 year relationship and have people to still treat it like it's not. Yeah, sometimes a big people deal. will say something, oh, when you get married, as if that's going to change anything. Well, right. We've been together 13 years. What's. What what would it make any difference if we're we're married or not married? Yeah. Well, everyone's like, well, make her a really happy woman. Like, this, is, this is always this this myth, isn't it? Like yeah. you've got to the wedding is to sort of please and placate the woman, but you don't want everyone to look at you. I want everyone to look at me. <laughs> I want to look fabulous on my wedding day. <laughs> I don't want you over, out outshining me. <laughs> but that's all the weird thing about it. It is very kind of patriarchal. It is very like all the men have to dress a certain way and all the women have to dress a certain way and it doesn't ha- there's no have and, and not everybody that has a, their own marriage is whatever they want like that's cool I'm not judging people's individual choices but just generally speaking it's hard hard to kind of engage with <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've been on and off about our marriage then since then yeah I mean it's all been a journey hasn't it because then one idea was that we were and we got as far as inviting people we were going to have an, an engagement party. An engagement party, yeah. Just so that we'd get to have all the people that we know and love in one place at one time, which is an appealing idea. And the gig, I wanted the gig. Yeah. <laughs> That's what took you off the most. Yeah, no. No, organising it did. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Having to work out who has to sit together still. And still having to invite people and... out of politeness still. Yeah, basically what it became was a wedding without the actual marriage bit. So, so there's no legal there's recognition. No point in it, really. Right. And it just was. And then that made me realise that one of the things, while I might want all the people in what I'm, that I know and love in the same place at the same time, I also don't want that. You don't want to have to do it. You don't have to organise it. It would be a nice yeah, thing if... Surprise, yeah, surprise, if you just, if you just happened... Oh, look. Surprise party. I just woke up this morning and everybody that I know and love is in this really big building. We're all together and we just get to spend the day together. I that's great. That's, that's like heaven, heaven, right? That's what like, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just wait for that. <laughs> and then... And, I mean, so we have 
had 13 years together and they haven't been married any of those years. I don't feel like they're lesser or, or greater for that. Yeah. One of the things that we have done, though, basically for those 13 years is live together. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say, like, what? We basically spent... It was very... Like, even when we lived in separate places at university... It was always very intense. And from the start, like, we were, we spent every night together. Mm. I guess that's the thing. Yeah. There was a few times in the first few years where you instigated, we have to have a few nights apart. I'm glad I did that. Yeah, because I'm quite intense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I, I, I don't want to be, but I am, you know. Well, it's fine. It's just that uh, I wasn't really ready to... Uh be stared at that much yeah or, or live live with someone so immediately and I'm glad that I chose that because yeah. I don't think that would have been a very good move yeah totally I always understood even when I was even then when I was a much bigger dick than I am now I think generally speaking I did I did at least even then understand why someone would want to spend time away from me well from anyone it wasn't about yeah. being you yeah 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 well it was about being me as well because if well, it, it was if it hadn't been me you wouldn't have necessarily had you'd have had more time away from me because I wouldn't have been well, very yeah, intense and so navigating the domestic life thing has been a, a, an interesting journey, I would say. Mm. I think that people don't normally talk about that sort of stuff, I think, like the the practicalities of living together. Like I think like single people look at people in relationships and think, I wish I had that, right? Mm. People in relationships look at single people and, and wish they had that. Mm. But... We don't necessarily talk about the minute detail that could help each other understand why it's not an easy ride for either group. It's mm. just a different ride. Yeah. So I'm trying to work out how we're gonna how how to talk about that. Can we pause for a minute so that I can go to the loo while you think about how we can talk about it? Is that a good place to pause? Yes, I will have a cigarette then. Good. Talking of domestic <laughs> domestic <laughs> negotiation, that's quite a good example, right? Save this. So it's not goodbye this time, it's pause. On Friday, we will start up the conversation again, from where we left off, and get into the inner workings of our domestic and romantic relationship. So join me and Jen on Friday for a conversation It contains a lot of revelations, really. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.